Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hey, what's going on, Archons? Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I am your Keyforge friend, and I am joined this week by my newest and bestest Keyforge friend who I talk to every week. We just have the most fantastic conversations about the houses in Keyforge and how they evolve thanks to the BDQ foundation we've been rolling with. Sydney, are you looking forward to this one? Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. This is like all on us. Yes, we are taking the mantle that lay, they laid down to bring you the Grand Saurian Republic and the Star Alliance, which they did not have a chance to do because they ended before this really became a thing. So now we get to talk about it in the vein that we have been doing in the past. But we're going to do this one a la BDQ, which means we will talk about Star Alliance and Saurian from their first iteration. Because if we think about how they did it, they were talking about all the houses based on how they were from Call of the Archons. And so we're going to take the Worlds Collide approach and speak to them in the most in-depth way of how they came into the scene and what they look like. And then we can talk about how they progressed like we did with the other sets leading on to what BDQ did originally. Sydney, how do you feel about this? I I love it. That sounds great. I feel like the Saurian and, and Star Alliance had so much to offer when they, they came onto the scene that it's going to be a, it's a, fantastic first set way to break them down. Totally. And I I don't feel that this is a hot take by saying this, but if we're going to talk about main houses, I think that both of these, the Dinos and the Star Alliance, are the strongest main houses in the game in Worlds Collide. Couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think that the FFG probably wanted them to be that way. Like they just boils down to fitting into our structure, but they wanted them to be the houses that were most sought after. They were, they came with the most personality with the biggest punch. And also because of the new mechanics and worlds collide, they had the most of it. So for dinos, for example, like warding, that was something that a lot of dinos either had the ability to do or um, like benefited from the the actions. There was a lot of actions that some just warded. It was a a way for the set itself to really shine in these two houses, which made it so that you wanted to play these two houses a lot, which is a the crux of being a main house in a deck. Totally. And then they also provided like instant abilities or extra abilities that could happen through the exalting mechanic, which first came onto the scene, creating the concept of a proposition like risk reward, which did not exist as much in the game prior to this set. Absolutely. I think that this just enhanced the amount of amber in any single game because it, it generated it in a way that we hadn't seen before. So killing a creature then created amber in your in your key pile that didn't exist like it, you they didn't take it from you it just came out of nowhere so there was a, a lot faster games i think but on the other side of that something that they did a lot of they actually had quite a bit of key cost increase as well because of the like double-edged sword of having amber in the game then uh keys cost more totally and it was it was a great addition and evolution to the game because it 
it stuck. Like this was the start of it and it didn't stop. And we've seen it ever since. And I think it's one of the greatest things that became a foundation of the game, especially with the key denial or key tax, which I think is sometimes the strategy that is deployed more. It's like, you don't mind people forging, but you're going to tax them heavily to do so. I think another thing that made them a great main house was there was quite a bit of, of taunt and the the mm-hmm. cr- things to keep the creatures on the board. So we, we've already mentioned ward, but also like the increase in the power of the creatures. Um, like yes, there were the board di- oh, infrastructure. Exactly. There was so much of that, that although like this, it, it kind of slides into the support because what's great about the Saurians is that this um, these all of these mechanics weren't unique to having to be used on the dinos. So a lot yeah. of their their ward and taunt and and key cost increase could be a a support aspect as well. So that's what made them a great main and support house. And it also had one of I think the best artifacts in the game to this date. It was in my top ten list, and that's the golden spiral because it allowed you to use a something that you just put down or something from another house to help support what you're doing on your Saurian turn. So it just is, I think, one of the greatest artifacts in the game. And that supporting also the fact that you have such big bodies that also have armor on top of it just made things like really strong. Like it was not easy to take care of the dinos because you had the ward, you had the armor, and then you have the big health. So it just all created issues, I feel like. Absolutely. Speaking of artifacts, I think that um, one of the one of the other ones in there that actually made for a great support artifact was uh, the Imperial Road. And it just it's Mm. such an interesting you don't have to play Saurians to get the benefit of Saurian card, which is absolutely like the the best card for a support house is you get the effects of this house without having to pick this house as your main house. So that that was just another um, uh, omni effect that really supported other houses totally but since we're speaking about support we kind of naturally transitioned there i would have to say that i find out of the three roles support is the weakest for saurians and when i say the weakest i mean in the context of them in relation to other houses it is not weak at all but i find what they bring is not quite as strong as the burst and main house uh i guess pool that it's bringing to the board because for super, me, super excited to get into that conversation with you because I I disagree. I think I think ooh. that the burst is. I mean, again, like you said, they're strong in all three, but that the the burst is weaker in comparison to their support abilities. All right. So this, what I have for for what I like them as for support is I like that they have Imperium in there so that they can ward anything in an action card that is common. I really like um, that that is a component of their support. I also like that they support in a way that provides threats. So you can distract from things by playing them. So your main house may be doing one thing, but by laying down certain dinos, you actually create a situation where they have to be addressed because being left alone is is no bueno. And one of those (laughs) is, I think, Senator Shrick's. Oh, yeah. You see that quite frequently. And then going into the rare side, but when they do exist in the deck, it's really hard to deal with. Like one, Spartasaurus, because instantly you have like each, like every creature is destroyed except dinos. Like it's a great main house card and it can also be a great support card because 
it's supporting just like anything on your side that that dies. Mm-hmm. Uh, guess what? You're wiping your opponent's board if they don't have dinos, and it, <laughs> and it just became a problem. Like you had to deal with it. And then of course you have Tribune Pompidus and Primus Unguis, which, if left unchecked, create almost an impossible board state. There's also I, I have to throw in there the the passive effects that uh, are are beneficial to all three houses. So my favorite is the the Compsos. Oh gosh, Compsos Horospex. Okay, uh, I murdered that. Um, but each friendly creature's play effect is a play reap effect. Like that is just incredible if you have a board full of a different house. So to me, that is like that is a dino you want to protect as a support house. Fair enough. I've never actually gotten good use out of that card, <gasps> really? so I don't hold. Yeah, I don't have any decks that uh, really lend credence to it in a good way, so I've never really taken a ton of stock in that one for that reason. Oh my god, speaking of Star Alliance coming up, like that card plus a House of Star yeah. Alliance, like it's just it's ridiculous. Okay, so yes, I just find supports the weakest in in the sense that what it brings cuz I find like burst is ridiculously good in dinos but the thing is dinos i I say support is the weakest because it's very rare that you have to use them as a support house they generally come through as like a main house that's the good point anytime they're in a deck and they have all of these things you're likely going to utilize them as a main house that's a good point yeah i find you get them as the burst or the main you just don't see them playing the supporting role as much and when i'm talking about burst I, there's so many things I feel that you just get instant satisfaction from using them. Obviously, the six semper tribute aspect is ridiculous, and you mm-hmm. get that burst. Uh, you can even throw exile in there if it, with the with the tribute combo. Like, there's just a lot of ways you can just get an instant two card effect. Um, you have city state interest as suddenly burst huge ember control. Ooh. And then also I like the burst of the Calfigian ideal because you can basically put it on any creature and you've created suddenly this burst because now this can be used as if it was in your pool and you're you're bursting, but also creating like you have to deal with this. And also the phalanx strike is a burst of damage. It's a basically a burst yes. of board control. But in that so case, many. You, yeah, you, you don't have to have um, a lot of dinos on the board to be able to utilize that card well. Yeah, I mean, there's there's such great burst in board control. You also have like even tertiate, you can because you get to decide what's happening. You have sorry about that. You have stomp like the the burst board control. Like they just got so many great cards that fit the categories of ember control, board control, board presence. Like it's kind of it's kind of silly. But um, my favorite burst card, I think, out of the dinos, is actually Oredo Hasaro. It is my most favorite the one with maybe deploy? dinosaur yes the one that's deploy for those of you not familiar with Aredo hasaro the text says deploy play ready and exalt each of Aredo hasaro's neighbors for the remainder of the turn they belong to house saurian so it's getting you the use of using two creatures and then it also allows you to generate ember potentially exalt those creatures so you can create like huge exalting on them which generates ember for a really nice imperial forge turn like it's one of my favorite cards to exist in an imperial forge deck that's fantastic and i i see i kind of see a theme here that a lot of the the dino creatures makes for a great main house and a lot of the dino actions makes for a great burst house yes exactly so that's the way i saw it 
the, the one of the things, so I, I agree that it has so much to offer a burst house. I just think that it can be like, it can tip the pendulum just a little bit too far with a little bit of an, a scary amount of amber on the board, because with, with the exalt action, let's say your opponent has a board wipe or some way to, to get it off your creatures. It's basically like the, the opposite of a burst, I guess. I guess it doesn't prevent it from being a good burst house, but it also has a way of creating that threat that you were talking about, like a risk reward where it, you have to risk a lot to make it a good a, a good burst house. Mm, fair enough. I mean, my very first World's Clyde deck I ever opened is also my highest rated SAS deck, and it's a Logos Ooh. Shadow Saurian, and it has Imperial Forge, but it only has four Saurian creatures, one of them being Aredo Hisaro. Nice. And I use it as a burst house to win games. And how I do it is I I basically use the Logos archiving effects to put all my dino cards away. And then I wait until I have the key pieces, one of them being city-state interest. And then I just suddenly grab my archives and I go for a close out the game with an Imperial Forge. And I put all the Ember on the board and end the game in the same turn is, the, is my strategy with it. So that there is no risk at the end. I'm either getting it done or I'm not doing it at all. And one of the cards is also Quester Jarda, which is fantastic with an Imperial Forge. And if you get Aredo Hasaro in it, you're just putting so much Ember that you can just do things. That's fantastic. You know, it's really crazy because I was thinking about like my favorite deck in Worlds Collide is also a Dino's deck. And it's it's similar to the one that you just mentioned. But doing this structure, like I can see the weaknesses in that deck based on the main burst and support houses because I also have Dino's and Logos, but I have Untamed. And so the whole point of the Logos in that deck is to archive the Untamed to get it out of the deck so that I can have dinos as the main uh, house and just play dinos. Like the whole game for me is a dinos game. So I feel like the fact that it's missing a burst house is is like a real weakness in the deck. And it's kind of cool to see it within the structure that uh, BDQ created. Totally. So um, are you ready to talk about the subsequent sets that followed and the dinosaurs? Absolutely. So next up, we have Mass Mutation, which I think we can say without a doubt, definitely felt like a disappointment as yes. a follow-up to Worlds Collide. Yes, absolutely. Like, it completely, it was one of those things like like AOA to Coda, you know? Like, they yeah. came on strong, and they were super exciting, and everybody loved them, but they they did the exact same thing where they had to, like... They had to tweak some of the incredibly crazy powers to either make them so you have to play combos to get to it or there were conditions to get the same effect. I think they just watered down, not like, of course, like the dinos were still a great house. They just were a watered down version of their worlds collide house. It's like by comparison, you, right. you just felt like, ugh. But, uh -huh. but if, if you didn't have worlds collide, you wouldn't be there terrible. Right. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean... The, the greatest things that came, I think, in this set for me in terms of new additions is obviously Amphora Captura because it created a whole new archetype of deck, which is really yes. fun. And you obviously got the cool Ducilius, which as much as that card like is dino flavored, it actually feels out of place at the same time. Oh, why do you think? 
the flavor of the card is obviously a throwback to that game. I can't remember what it's called, but it's the one that has it's literally has the robot, the 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 King Kong and the dinosaur. I don't know what it oh, was. It was like a game you used to play cool. in the 90s at arcades. And being <laughs> in the city was I think it's like something rage. And and being in the city is very much in that flavor, but I feel that dinos are always portrayed in this Roman architectural theme and being in a main city mm. kind of takes away from the flavor of what dinos are. So that's the only thing I, it's my favorite gigantic creature. You know, I think I, that one of the, one of the ways that it, it just breaks character for me is although capture all your opponent's Amber, like having a lot of Amber on the dino makes sense, but I feel like it should have had exalt in there somewhere. Like capture is right. a, a great effect but then like a, a single a creature removal instead of like damage, but just specific creature removal and they have it all back anyway. Totally. Um, I think from this set, the two greatest cards we saw was obviously Faust. Oh, yes. Like that that was like you you love to see the Faust. It, it created, it was like an Edai, but for dinos. Mm-hmm. And it worked so nicely within the flavor and still achieving that key denial or key tax theme that was introduced. And I really appreciated Faust for that. I and think then, the well, go ahead. one one of my one of my favorites uh, just for like theme was the the Saurian egg, um, like mm. getting rid of it and then having another one pop up. And it was also got you an amber, but it it really wasn't a hard hitter in any way. I just really like that card. And the art is cute. AF, yeah, it's so adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Another, I really like Spoils of Battle existing in, in this set because I felt it had a lot of great synergy with the things that were happening. Like it it made your exalting suddenly have a little bit more value because that exalted creature now also captured one. Mm. It played into what Faust did. I just thought it, it was a nice addition of risk reward and giving you just a little bit more. Sure. Um, you know what card I love in this this set, which I think is, I'm going to call it super underrated, is Blast from the Past. Really? Okay. It is absolutely one of my most favorite removal cards. It, it gives works. You, it works, yes. It does so much. Like, you, you could not have a good, like, you can use it as the burst. Like, I think it provides good burst. I mean, I realize we just talked about <laughs> dinos and mass mutation without ever going over the rolls just now. <laughs> but I think it's a, it's a great burst card because let's say you have a dino hand, like a dino turn coming up, and you're not really establishing any board infrastructure and it's not helpful. Mm-hmm. So you can literally take a, a, a dino in your hand that's got the power value of something you need to deal with and discard it from your hand and then exalt a friendly creature, archive that card and then deal the damage. And now you have it for later when it may have more of an impact. Mm-hmm. So I was a really fan of it in, in that regard. Uh, I felt actually the, the burst aspect of Sorian became more prominent in this set. I, I, I agree. I think that the, the main house the main house went down for for multiple totally. reasons, and one of the biggest for me was some of my favorite creatures that got watered down had to have their monuments out. They created monument artifacts, and so the monuments then gave them more powerful or even sometimes just equal to their world's collide power, and that needed multiple cards on the board, which made it, means you needed to fish more out of your deck. You had less 
cards in your deck dedicated to different things. It just made it so even though your ability, like your your sticking power on the board might have been stronger with artifacts, it it took more effort to make the main house as strong. I would agree. And then with the support thing, you just got a lot of things that came from the other, you know, came from the previous set. Like those support cards, you saw more of those. You saw more actions that were exalting your opponent's creatures, but sometimes they were exalting yours as well. Those things started happening. There was way more exalt, but not necessarily to you. Because I don't think there was in the in the previous set in Worlds Collide, there was almost no exalt to your opponent's creatures. It was all a punishment for you. I think so too. And I will say that the enhance for me, like it, there really wasn't like other than um, it was a dud. Yeah, uh, the Amphora Captura. Other than that card, I think there was maybe like a couple other that had it, and it wasn't consistent for one thing. It had a variety of like damage or or uh, capture. I think was some of them, and so it really didn't have a consistency. It felt like an afterthought, like, oh, shoot, we forgot to put enhancements on the dinos. Like, that's what it really seems like. They don't really have purpose. Like, Sagittarius Gaze is the cool one because it says exalt a damage creature and it's putting the damage pip. I like that, but only one is not really helpful. Mm-hmm. And then having the Dark Centurion just having capture pips, it's like, I mean, I guess it works. Move one from a creature to the common supply if you do ward it. Like, that's that's also doing it, but it just didn't feel significant enough. I agree. So what then, do you think? Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say for burst, it's we kind of lost a lot of the really good burst that it had to. Like I think burst, it became the weakest burst house in a way. Everything that bursted in mass mutation like was a carryover from worlds collide. Yeah, and just not as as like strong. Mm-hmm. So, so anyways, what were you going to say? I was just going to. Uh, move on over to uh, Dark Tidings and okay. see see what you thought it went in that direction. I thought that it stayed in the same vein as Mass Mutations. I, I felt there was very little evolution in that regard. If anything, um, yeah, I wouldn't say it got better. I wouldn't say it got worse. We got Imperial, Imperial Forge back, which I loved. But as, as a whole, it really felt like the same, pretty much. I, I felt like it was the same sort of idea. Like it like the whole tide mechanic thing and everything, it was exactly like the enhancements. It wasn't in the forefront of the conversation. It felt like it was added to just be a part of that theme. Uh, I was going to say, I think like speaking of the pun watered down, like having the tide mechanic also just gave it another condition to have the power that it had in Worlds Collide. And so a lot of the same themes, a lot less of the the effectiveness, but still I would stick with them as a main house in yes. um, in they, they Dark Tidings. They got that title, that title back again, I think, as a stronger main house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, their, their creatures really did have a lot of synergy in Dark Tidings. I think that they the whole idea, the, a lot of cards in Dark Tidings and, and Mass Mutation too, I guess, had the idea of, of pick one or the other. And so like one of my favorites was uh, Decadence. So choose one, exalt ready and use a friendly creature or move one from a creature to another creature. That just, just was a good support card and it really did fill the gaps in some of the places. Same with Reach Advantage. Like you could use it as a Tide mechanic manipulation if you didn't want chains, or you could use it as Ember Control. And I actually really liked it, Reach Advantage, to have that ability. I thought that was quite a 
a nice addition because sometimes you don't want to take chains and your opponent only has like one ember so like yes. what's the point of capturing right. where like you know like sometimes you get tribute and it would just feel bad because yeah. you didn't get the value out of it and but like holding it also wasn't an option where this provided you the ability to just pull the tide and not have to take that tax of chains so i i really appreciated that i agree but yeah, I felt like the the burst like almost became non-existent in this in this house to a degree. And and when you were bursting, it was it was like in a way that you didn't really do. Like I would use this as a burst house to like get the tide. Like use reach advantage to get the tide is something I would actually do. Sure. And that then makes, for some, that makes sense. Yeah. And then support, I still felt it was a pretty good support house though. Like I, I liked the things it had, like getting crushing charge dealt with those annoying shadows elusive creatures dealt with actually quite a few things like untamed like it just provided that nice like board destruction but it it hit both of you which is what a board wipe should do uh and then as well you got some interesting things like bury riches as oh i guess as a burst card bury riches is uh i kind of like that one but you have to be careful (laughs) but it's, it's kind of a fun one it, it's a good one for the the dinos to have because of all of the exalting. But I do feel like the the exalting kind of went down. Like like in general, yes. when a mechanic comes out, it usually just loses a lot of its like it doesn't get added to more cards in future sets. And so um, I although I thought like exalting was going to be more of a theme of dinos, it was more of a theme of worlds collide dinos. Yes, hundred percent. And um, yeah, so I think we can move on from here. It's it's just we saw that. They basically made the World's Collide Dinos so strong, they were just having to figure out how to balance it and get it to the right place right. since then. And that's where we're at. So so when Winds and Exchange comes out, I think we should see a sort of a new version in an interesting way because I think we're going to get away from where we are right now and maybe see a little bit of a level up. Hopefully they've recognized that because it just feels like it went from, okay, from want, want to want, want, want sort of. So I'm gonna I'm gonna do a quick hot take. I think all houses will will benefit from moving away from the tide mechanic just because chain slowed the game down so much. It it'll be like like popping popping our head up and out of um, AOA and into worlds collide was like oh my gosh, there's like so many cool things. I think no matter what cool things they add to Winds of Exchange, I think that if they if they let the the tide mechanic be a little less prominent, then games will have a lot more um, excitement to them. Yes, definitely. Kind of like, do you think it'll go kind of the way that the we saw enhancements come? So enhancements yes. were not as abundant as mass mutation. They were like a nice little flavor addition, which I really liked actually enhancements in Dark Tidings. I felt they were, it wasn't like just this overabundant new thing. It was just like a sprinkle here and there. And it was a really nice little extra flavor that came. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, now it's time to move on to Star Alliance. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. <laughs> my favorite house in the game. I don't think that's a secret. Oh, I love Star Alliance. And very similarly to Dinos, it had so much potential for all three main burst and support houses. I mean, I, I do have one that I think it did the best, but I it just, it had so much like substance to it. I agree. It was a fantastic main house and like we said at the beginning one of the strongest in the game but different because it was more squishy but allowed yeah. you to be a main house because this is i think one of the the times where i noticed like for the first time ever in the game that you could call one house over and over, and over. again 
Yes. And you and you would not have to switch and you're not keeping the same cards in your hand at the same time, which if you did dinos, you probably weren't cycling. But with Star Alliance, you could cycle and call the same house over and over again. It, exactly. You you basically like took the words right out of my mouth. I feel like they didn't have the creatures for the staying power, but they had the creatures for the board presence. Like you could have 10 Star Alliance creatures on the board and then, you know, you're like the creatures on the board are allowing you to cycle through your hand or because you like are able to also have creatures from other houses on the board and Star Alliance lets you utilize them, then you have less cards to get through in your deck to continue to get through your additional Star Alliance cards. 100%. And obviously we got to give a shout out to Calm Officer Kirby, which created (laughs) the greatest sort of like it, it essentially counted that you had, when you're doing like the Delta, you mm-hmm. could count an extra card because Kirby would play an extra card when you played him. And there were there were so many cards that did that. Like Captain Captain Val let you do that too. And then mm-hmm. um, like Crash Meldoon. DXO Tabor. Yeah, you could use a uh, creature next to you. Like there were just so many Star Alliance cards that let you use other cards. So like it basically, its main house abilities was what you would think as the port house should do, but you would be in Star Alliance doing it. Yeah. I mean, you also have Helmsman Spear, so you could just discard all those cards you didn't care about from your hand and then draw into new cards, which again is getting more of that Star Alliance establishment. And then if you weren't doing that right away, you had Information Officer Gray, which right away is like, again, it, it created that extra delta because right. you were going to take a card out of your hand and archive it and save it for later. It was such a great addition i think information officer gray is one of the most underrated cards oh really i don't think people put enough stock in what it actually does like you're reaping it's four powered you're cycling and you're getting an ember and you're drawing an extra card that turn that's what essentially what it says that's funny because i i do in fact think of it as one of the less powerful cards when compared to others like when i have a couple in my hand and deciding how i'm going to put them out and like that usually that's the one that i think about the last yeah, I, I like it, especially when you're trying to build up. It, it just provides the digging and cycling that I really, really like. And I want to give a shout out to the artifacts in this house because it actually makes for such a great main house set of artifacts because it allows you to either continue calling Star Alliance, continue using Star Alliance, or cycling through slash using other houses in your deck. Like Book of IEQ, obviously, like you you can uh, play a whole nother houses uh, turn in the same turn. And then um, Transporter Platform, you can bring cards back into your hands and if they're Star Alliance, play them again. So you're, you're getting oh, so incredible. much use out of your Star Alliance cards that you you want to continue calling Star Alliance. Yeah, and Transporter Platform really lent credence to all the upgrades that exist within this house. And, yes. And you you basically, like, Transporter Platform sometimes alone was enough to make Star Alliance your main house because you would just call it over and over again if you had enough upgrades and you could Voltron, especially with a Light of the Archons making it such a big body that it was hard to deal with. It just created this, like, you don't need to have a ton of Star Alliance for it to be your main house. Like, you could have four upgrades and two creatures and the transporter platform, and that's enough for it to be your main house. Absolutely. I think in the same vein, though, those upgrades did make for a good support house as well. Because totally. even though I agree. 
a lot of the upgrades had to do with their specific creatures. If that creature wasn't on the board, they were still useful and gave you an amber pip if they went onto a creature of a different house. And so the sheer number of upgrades in Star Alliance allowed for, like if your if your Star Alliance house was a lot of upgrades, then it was super supportive of other houses and other creatures being on the board. I completely agree. And I think something about Star Alliance that the dinos did not have is that they essentially could fit into any role. They could be a main house, they could be a burst house, and they could be a support house because of the versatility they provided when hitting the board. Like we talked about Information Officer Gray being a main house. It can also be a fantastic support card or even burst, but I think it's more support because you're getting to archive a card for your next turn. So if you're like, you know what? I know I'm not calling, let's say, Shadows next turn. I want to go into Logos. I can take this Shadows card out of my hand, archive it, so that hopefully I can draw into more Logos cards because I know I'm calling that. And then that in turn will hopefully have a bulk of Shadows come the subsequent turn after because I haven't been playing much of that. It just provided such versatility same with Kirby. Like even if you use Kirby just as a support, just to play and get another card out of your hand, maybe so that you can call that house or it can lend credence to what you want to do the following turn or same sort of idea, get this card, Shadows card out so I can have a stronger Logos turn. It just provided that amazing support with whatever it did. Uh, oh, totally. I think of the three main burst and support, it's burst abilities. It's not that it it was they were bad, but I really do think that they're... they're Amber generation really came from reaping because so much yes. of what Star Alliance creatures could do came from reaping and and the ones that came on play are even better and especially the ones with pips. But if it was on the board, which you probably had a lot of creatures on the board, to get their effect, you would reap. And so I don't know if that's even like could even be considered burst because that is what a main house is supposed to do. So their their burst abilities really were centered around what they could do outside of gaining amber. I would agree. I literally put in brackets under burst weakest. Like it was the weakest trait <laughs> that it had. I mean, it's stuff like it's burst. You could argue that stealth mode is a burst card because it was just like sure. for one turn, you're shutting down. Like maybe you knew they had like too much to protect and you wanted to make sure they couldn't get rid of like you're going to and you're going to do a strong transporter platform turn you could use it as a burst to stop them from using it just the removal uh yeah i i definitely put like red alert is a burst card i think sensor chief garcia could be used as a burst card but then again like you just said in the vein that it can reap afterwards and still get that effect so it also creates that main house so it's it's the versatility again it just provides that versatile thing because you could just play it and not call the house again and you're getting the effect or you could call the house again and it becomes some of a main house sort of deal. Absolutely. Um, one thing I want to shout out for the upgrade is I really liked uh, Arms Master Melina being mm. support because it protected the neighbors and made them a little bit harder to deal with. They had to be over three powers in order to get through. And then, sure. of course, Medic Ingram, fantastic support card. Probably one of the best, in my opinion, in, in the whole agree. set. Yeah, I would 100% agree. I think that well, I'm I'm ready and excited to move on to uh, Me mass too. mutation. Awesome! I think that um, Star Alliance was probably one of the only houses to get better. Like it, it just mass mutation really came out with even more exciting abilities, and I think kept all the best cards from Worlds Collide. So I really really liked Star Alliance's version of of our uh, mass mutation's version of Star Alliance. 
okay, I I can buy into that. I I don't feel exactly the same way, but I understand what you're saying. And I I will say that the Kirby swap was really cool. Like I thought they thematically did a great job of taking iconic cards and making interesting other versions. Like we saw it like the Shrix swap, which is as good as the Shrix swap was, is I felt like it wasn't it wasn't better. Where subject right. Kirby just going from act from basically non-creature cards to creature cards actually really was beneficial to the way the set wanted to play. Right. I agree completely. And I, I also think the the enhancements, a lot of uh, drawing card enhancements, and they were part of the they they like Starlines was already so versatile that the fact that you could get any type of enhancement from Star Alliance really just made it that much more versatile. Agreed. I also liked the the addition of creating the burst opportunity through upgrades in a different way. Like transporter platforms still exist. Mm-hmm. But then you had like Hayden Oswin, which gained you gained you Ember for each upgrade on it. Then you had like Commander Drixcar, which it's like after it's an upgrade is just attached, you gained Ember to like it or its neighbors. Mm-hmm. It, it provided that extra burst for upgrades. I just really liked. It. And then you had also Armor Officer Nell, which gave you a draw for doing it. It just provided this burst through upgrades in such a versatile way. I really appreciated the way that was done. Like I thought, I'm like, this is cool. I like this. And granted, there are less upgrades compared to the Worlds Collide. You still had a, a really meaty amount of them. They also added, they added more than they did for a lot of other houses. So as a as a house in Mass Mutation, it had more, it still had more upgrades than a lot of the other houses. Yeah. So they it just still was a big part of its personality. I would completely agree. Um I, in terms of support, how did you feel about them? I think that they they continue to be a good support house. I mean, most of their cards could be used on on other houses or like their abilities allowed them to utilize other houses. So I think that it just it stayed in the exact same vein as it did in Worlds Collide. It just did more of it. I actually feel that I feel like it did less. Like Ooh. I felt like the support wasn't as significant. Okay. But it still provided the support. Mm-hmm. And it provided it in interesting ways, like the like the blood like detention coil mm-hmm. and uh, the access denied. I thought were interesting because it still creates that flavor, like you associate with upgrades and Star Alliance. But now you're getting to support by restricting your opponent's creatures that were going to be problematic for you. So I, I really appreciated that aspect. And then I guess for support, would you call an exchange officer a support card? Oh, yes. I, I think completely. I think that's actually one of the biggest ways that it would s- provide support. I agree. I think it's. I think it did such amazing flavor. It, cre- it created a Maverick when it existed, which is right. something people are like, this is so cool having a Maverick. And it just made it easier to have that. So I, I really appreciated what Exchange Officer brought to the table. Completely. And I, I will say the, uh, the Z cards were, were oh, yes. super fun. They, the fact Amazing. that they they worked really well together, but they also just in general, I think provided great support. They were upgrade based. So that was something that you could play on other creatures as well. And they all came with pips. So it, it th- that was a good set of cards. I agree. I, I do love me a good Z4 stack, especially if transporter platforms involved. 
All right, so now let's move on to Dark Tidings. What, what do did you, you feel of- about Starline? <laughs> okay, we, let's. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. Okay, so I actually think that Star Alliance Dark Tidings is one of the best. That's my feeling. Okay. I love Star Alliance Dark Tidings. So fun fact about me, in case people don't know this, I love house cheating. And I thought the house cheating in this set was considerably more significant in some ways because you got a card like Together. And I think I wish I saw it together more. I just don't see it enough because mm-hmm. it is kind of rare. And it's like says if you may play a non-Star Alliance card and it's like if the tide is high, then you may play another one. Like getting to play two cards outside of Star Alliance is insane. It's insane, yeah. And then having the Unity or Discord, it's basically transporter platform in action card form is really cool. I really like that. And then also Professor Emeritus caring it just provided this main house sort of like you're you're doing it, it made me think of worlds collide but you added the tide into a lot of things so that it didn't feel as as overpowered as the worlds collide version of star Alliance did that's what made me really enjoy this one i'm gonna add on to the cards that you just mentioned because they're, they're just so many there was one of my yeah. favorites was operative espion where after a player raises the tide during their turn, they may use a creature. So it did work for your opponent as well, but it kept the tide mechanic in the game. So if your cards supported raising the tide, then it was really beneficial for being able to like continuously use cards. And then I would on, agree. on top of that, I think um, uh, Rocketeer Triska, while the tide is high, yes. uh, her neighbors enter play ready. Like that's just an incredibly great support for other houses. I would agree. And I forgot to mention like my my newest favorite card, which is Diplomat Agung, which also <laughs> provides the house cheating. Because you literally get to make another card become a Star Alliance card. Not only that, like there's, there's the grand alliance council here which which basically mm-hmm. means you cannot have more than one card of a house on board which diplomat a gun comboed with that so nicely because you could make one of your cards one of your opponent's houses so it destroys their creatures it just provided such flexibility and it was again the play fight reap i think we can say that is the identity of star alliance is you got the versatility of getting effect when you played it you got the versatility of fighting and you got the versatility of reaping like whatever you needed to do star alliance always provided you could choose whatever course of action you wanted in order to get that effect totally and i think the the burst for me did not there wasn't any more burst in dark tidings than there were in the previous two but that's just because what yeah what what they do in dark tidings just doesn't doesn't lead to bursting anything but use of cards if that's yeah that can be a thing i i know i know exactly what you're saying the burst i would say it took us a step i wouldn't say it took a step back it's still the weakest role that it has is as a burst house you don't you're not really excited to see it but the support aspect is still just it's exactly the same like it just has different flavor you know what i Mm -hmm. mean like it it didn't really it doesn't feel worse it doesn't feel better we have different cards we have some same cards it just it's it's so the identity of star alliance is i feel very well hashed out by the creators and they've done such a good job of identifying what it does best and just continuing on putting out sets that don't disappoint you 
Absolutely. And just a, a tidbit here, after having done the uh, Cubit Zirconium podcast and, and reading that book, like I have so much personality in my head when I think of yeah. Star Alliance now that it's just, Agreed. it fits all of their mechanics so well. I just, I just love it that much more. I'm with you on that one. Yeah. It, I was so happy they, they leaned into that aspect right? of lore because I am such a huge fan and just getting to hear more and get those personalities associated. Like you can just kind of, you can imagine like when you play cards, it's like I'm having an internal dialogue in my own head with what's going right? on. Totally. So I think that uh, wraps everything up for this. We we saw Star Alliance, I think, was the most, I think actually of all the houses we've talked about has had the most consistent progression from conception and moving on with subsequent sets. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I, I didn't think about it until you said it, but I do completely agree. Dinos definitely had the one of the greatest, like Shadows and Dinos had the greatest course correction. And you know what? I would say dinos, it was a hundred percent necessary. They were they were arguably too strong in Worlds Collide. Yeah, they they had their theme and that theme stayed with them because the, the being a main house was where they were at in Mass Mutation and Dark Tidings. I just think that they 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 lost a lot of the instant abilities or the the abilities that they didn't need to combo to get. Yes. And so that is going to wrap up our house rolls portion of looking back on BDQ. But it may not be the end. We we are going to probably visit some other BDQ topics in the near future because it is a lot of fun to look at some of their stuff. We've basically gone through all the ones that are in their suggested must-listen sort of ideals. And uh, we'll maybe look for some other fun ones moving forward. Absolutely. But of course, we cannot end an episode without the titular segment. We call this one Help, Help from, future, from self. future Self. And this week, I have one for everyone, and it is to do with the secondary market. Guess what, folks? Now's a great time to get on the secondary market. <laughs> there is deals to be had. There are fun decks out there. There is a lot of, I think, dust that has settled in terms of Dark Tidings now exists. We know what to expect. You know what you want. I mean, looking back at these BDQ episodes made me really have appreciation for some older sets and looking for some things that existed there. So I spent some time reaching out and trying to find some uh, some cool decks. And uh, my my man, Flaming Hobo, shout out to him, where I, I just recently purchased a couple decks from him that uh, had some, some great flavor of what I was looking for to enjoy some of the essence that BDQ brought. So don't be afraid to get on the secondary market and uh, just even for the exercise of just seeing what card combos that we now know exist. Now there's an abundance of decks available. See what you can find out there and you'd be like, oh, that'd be so cool. I want to try that out. And you may not even have to own it. Just take it for a spin on TCO and see how you feel. Nothing wrong with that. Test drive a vehicle before you buy it, you know, <laughs> or don't buy it. So that's going to do it for this week be sure to check us out on the discord there is a link in the bio or in the show notes bio where are we um link in the show <laughs> notes to become a part of that and that's also the best place to get at sydney and myself and sydney if people want to jam games with you if you're on where's the best place to do that uh tco as sc steel perfect and you can find me as boulevard blake number sign three eight four zero We'll be at you next week. And until then, for forks, until then, forks, <laughs> stay forging. <laughs>